Welcome back to another episode of Ask Canadian 6. We are your hosts, Jasper Gore from Toronto and Harmon Candola from Edmonton. How are you doing, Harmon? Dr. Saab, I am doing amazing. It's an honor to be back. We've got a lot to talk about, so I'm very excited. Yes, on this episode, we are going to talk about, we wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't talk about foreign interference from the GOI, a brown great break, groundbreaking new report looking at fake accounts on social media and how they contributed to the disinformation and the farmers' protests. We're going to talk about the big moment, the big win, uh, the announcement that the farmer bills are going to be repealed and what's next for the farmers. And then we are going to talk about what's happening with major climate events in BC and how Sikhs are responding. The government of India, they are obsessed with us. We've talked about this multiple times. They have multiple venues for foreign interference, for misinformation and for disinformation. And there's all of these um, studies that'll come out in these groundbreaking moments that'll happen that'll talk about um, different things that have been revealed. So the Center for Information Resilience um, revealed, uh, sorry, they put forward a, a really, really intense report looking at uh, networks, social media networks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the headline or their, the title of their report is revealed real sick in air quotes, real sick influence network pushing Indian nationalism. So Harman, I know you had a chance to, to take a look at some of the claims that came forward. What are some of the things from this report that stuck out to you? Well, I mean, it's nothing new for so many uh, sick activists to understand that there is a coordinated effort to distort, you know, narratives and perceptions and discredit uh, sick activism. So this is just further evidence and proof um, seeing actual research that uncovers the extent of the network and the extent of the amplification that took place through false narratives that were being pushed through these different accounts. I mean, so much of what is out there, you know, the first time that I ever really encountered, uh, you know, kind of an effort to um, discredit six was around Sarbat Khalsa. So, you know, back when, um, you know, what, what was that, 2009, um, when we had um, the most recent one? Um, oh, 2015, 2015, I think okay. it was. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in that, I remember being on Twitter at that point and seeing so many, uh, you know, fake accounts that you could tell were just propagating the same messaging, uh, popping up and just flooding a hashtag. Now, the sophistication level is in, in what has been revealed in this report is much, much greater uh, than that. You know, you have um, multiple different fake accounts interacting and actually having their narratives picked up by uh, real accounts. And that's where that's, you know, the study of the amplification aspect. Um, yeah, some of those, if, if, for, if folks, if you get to take a look at it, the, I know we are not a visual medium, but check out some of the charts and the ways they explain the far reach of these. Yeah, and, and you know what, it's, it's one of those things that sometimes we assume and you, what you've seen is you've seen like kind of the automated uh, bot accounts, which kind of just produce, you know, just slight variations of the same exact messaging to flood. This seemed to be, in, in their words, what they saw as human operated accounts. So you've got yeah, like, they're like sock, puppets. Yeah. yeah. So you've got these sock puppet accounts with the same persona as replicated over multiple platforms with the same stuff. Like 
so you know, and then the narrative, the image that we see of, um, you know, this um, army of of uh, people sitting in a room just hammering away, you know, is real. Like that, that did happen. Uh, unfortunately, the report, you know, is not willing to go as far to to be able to find any direct link to the government of India. Um, but it's pretty clear who this narrative would serve. Yeah, for sure. So they would do things like, um, so they're not bots. They're not like <clears throat> some of these automatically generated accounts that are just sp spewing out sentences that are automatically generated because they were sock puppets. There were real people behind these accounts <clears throat> using fake names and fake images. One of the things that I thought was was a little, mm, um that they were using pictures of like Punjabi celebrities and I'm like well I would have known I would have known that that was fake because I actually know who that actor is and but it seems like people didn't care um and not only were these folks from their sock puppet accounts putting out stuff so let's stick to Twitter let's say they were tweeting when they and here's the complete like just mind f when they're tweeting from their account they're as a fake person they're pretending to be a real sick and they use the hashtag real sick. So they put forward, <clears throat> they're creating tension in the farmers movement and they're saying things like the Khalistanis are using the farmers to push their separatist agenda and that's not okay. And then they would write hashtag real sick. And then every time there was an opinion they disagreed with, they would write hashtag fake sick. So these Fake six are calling themselves real six and calling real six fake six. And they have interaction with, and, and this is like where it gets all like conspiratorial and take your yarn out and why we always sound a little bonkers when we talk about this. They are, they have a, an influence. They have an impact. They, people are reading these and are interact, real people are reading them and, and interacting with them. And it's, it's quite, um, there were some of the quotes um, in this article from, from people who um, were interacting with them and were real people. And it was kind of, the quotes were so underwhelming. They're exactly what you think they would be. So like, for example, here's someone who really interacted with one of these sock puppet accounts. Um, Rubble Nagi, who on Twitter describes herself as a humanitarian and social worker, responded to one of the fake account tweets with two clapping hands emojis. She said she is, quote, sad that it was a fake account. Colonel Rohit Dev, who calls himself a geopolitical military analyst, had responded to one of these account posts with a thumbs up emoji, but told us he did not know the person behind the handle. Like, this is how underwhelming the responses are and the, the types of people who are engaging with these fake accounts. But when you look at the level of influence that these sock puppet accounts had, how many real followers they had, how many real people amplified their messages, it's enough to create and change a narrative and to create tension. And all of this energy is always going into um, creating violence and tension and interference. And I'm always aware of the fact that people who are actually on the ground, um, the farmers did an incredible job of communicating, of creating their own media. There was the trolley times of, of using the multiple venues to amplify their own voices, but I don't think they have the kind of energy that goes into just changing the narrative the way that these folks do.
Yeah, and I, there was an interesting perspective that I think, um, you know, if you had a chance to, to read it, I would encourage our listeners, um, you know, is an article on Boz News by Shamsher Singh, where he talks about, you know, this report and some of the analysis that comes out of it and some of the conversation um, that doesn't center, um, you know, the the issue and, and the advocacy for, for Khalistan. Um, you know, I think it's an important perspective uh, to keep in mind is that, you know, this is not just a, you know, this disinformation campaign isn't just a coordination of, of narratives, but it's also, you know, an attempt to continually demonize Khalistan and this and Sikh resistance, right? It, it, and it's part of that ongoing process. Um, and so I think, you know, it th- you have this almost kind of going back to it with these accounts, what, what did you see where interactive the amplification was from a lot of Hindu nationalist um, uh, people and individuals. And so, you know, there is, there is this kind of coordinated effort, but to kind of understand that a lot of this is done to, to undermine, um, the Khalistan movement, um, is, is an important perspective not to forget. And that, uh, yeah. And you bring back the point that you ask for Khalistan, not illegal, immoral, unethical, to demand these things, to demand the right to self-determination, None of that is bad or wrong. So we're like totally losing the plot here because they're changing the narrative. And they also just pitted people, um, Canadian politicians. I know they they created these, um, like there's one fun infographic with uh, Jigmeet and Garatan on there. They created yeah, all of these. Yeah. And it says like, welcome to Khalistan. And it's um, Jigmeet and Garatan in the, in the background. You see the Toronto skyline. Um, so props to them for their Photoshop skills. But like the, it just paints all Canadians, all Canadian politicians um, as people who are interfering. And whether or not there was any impact on Indian government issues from the outside. They are creating it. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's so many layers of just messing with your mind going on here. And then uh, I think the person who, so there's there's the article, uh, there's like a really good Twitter thread about it. There's um, the article on BBC about it. And then you have access to the the full report as well in the the full report, which is from the Center for Information Resilience. In the BBC article about the report, they do go back to um, the social media companies who are supposed to be responsible for these things. And they say that, well, we removed the comment, we removed the handles and we removed the people who were creating the content. This author, um, this investigator goes back to the celebrities whose images were being used and they're saying one of them did respond and say they take action. Some of them didn't respond. And some of them are saying like, this just happens so often that our pictures get used on fake accounts. We can't monitor every single one of them. So there's, yeah, there's definitely a responsibility that the social media companies have here. And while they were, and let's not forget that they were shutting down um, the farmers on the ground, their access to social media and were blocking and pulling down legitimate posts. At the same time, they're allowing for these venues for foreign interference and misinformation, and there's no body overseeing them. They are not accountable to anyone. They are not held out into the laws of any specific country in any significant way, and they are changing our perceptions of reality. Like, this is 
what, like Mark Zuckerberg wanted to rate girls in college, and now he has destroyed democracy, uh, perceptions of reality, free and fair elections, contributed towards genocides. Like there's just such a whole unforeseen aspect of living our lives in these spaces. Well, and soon you get to live in the metaverse. Yeah, where all of it's just going to, it's all just going to be out there and it's all going to collide. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. So anyways, take a look. Uh, take a look at the report for yourself. Um, if it's something that is, and I, and it should always be high on your radar. Um, if it's something that you are interested in, curious about, it's worth the deep dive. The whole report is worth reading so you can understand some of these mechanisms. Farmers' bills. We had a pretty big announcement from Modi uh, on Gorpurb. Harmon, where were you when you heard the announcement? So I actually was flipping through uh, watching different um, sports games. The older game was on. Um, there was, I think, you know, Thursday night football. And it was just, you know, I, I don't really find myself um, as engaged in watching sports anymore. And, and there was just, I, I was watching this. I was zoning out and thinking, okay, I need to, to find something else to consume. And found myself uh, o- opening up Twitter, seeing a tweet from Sandeep Singh. Uh, who has been one of the you know the great stories in terms of being a fearless journalist uh, who really emerged during the Morcha, um, tweeting out that Modi is taking back the three laws. There was a moment of disbelief before I started just you know frank frantically trying to verify whether or not this is true. Uh, finding myself watching Modi live uh, and speaking and just being absolutely floored. I mean, I had spent the rest of the the evening, you know, just making phone calls um, to, to my relatives and people that I knew uh, to spread the news. It, it was a moment of elation. I will remember where I was sitting on my couch. Uh, my wife basically got up and said, well, I guess there goes our evening. Um, you know, I'll talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was sleeping and I, I go to bed early. And I, uh, for, for our listeners, if you think that a World Tech Organization uh, runs on very sophisticated technology, I'm excited to share with you that we are mostly run through signal chats. And, um, and, and to be a volunteer for the World Tech Organization, you get uh, your entry includes uh, being thrown into like a minimum of five, I'd say, group chats. And then I think I'm probably like at 40 now. All my WSO group chats had blown up. Every group chat had blown up, um, like girlfriends and media chats and Bontic chats. And even individual people had had texted me. Uh, my favorite one from my cousin who uh, he said, Modi tapped. And I, <laughs> I, I woke up. Yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night. I sat up and I turned on the light and I just I, I same thing. I was like, I need to know that it's real. Like, what's the trick? What's the joke? Um, and, and it was, it was, there's a lot more that still needs to be done. And even going back to normal is not good. But I think in that moment, and I would say for that day, I gave myself permission to just, um, sit in the glory of these incredible farmers who I did not think I would get to see this, uh, of this skill in my lifetime and I'm, I'm humbled by them and I yeah so I spent a lot of that day crying <laughs> as Gorpurb I went to the Gordora um, you know I got to hear the Sangat receive congratulations 
for everything that happened um for <laughs> shout outs to the rest of the gta who uh, went with me to the satinder sertaj concert i think the day <laughs> after and the concert was like it started with um Nade for the kasans and then sertaj sang zafarnama to celebrate the victory and then like just people were like jikari and just it was a I felt like it was like a being at a wedding reception for the farmers. Um, so definitely took that moment to celebrate. Also cried at the Sutanar Sutaj concert. Uh, but yeah, that was basically, that was my moment. That was my moment of saying um, congratulations and just being so humbled to quote uh, Sharanji Kaur, VP of WSO Ontario. We stand on the shoulders of giants. And all of those farmers, all of those Bibia and Bapuji who were there on the front. I know people in the diaspora did a lot, but it's those people that were on the ground. So so very, very humbled to just be in their glory. Oh, another one of my crying moments. Um, I was walking the dog and CBC on the world this hour, and they, they recap global events in like less than five minutes. And they talked about our farmers. And then I was just walking down the street. <laughs> walking my dog crying um but after the celebration so we like we fully sit in this and we're humbled by it what are you thinking now what is what is your response after the celebration well like you um just i just want to mention this uh i did also cry at a sotaj concert i think it was a few days before uh, yeah, he's doing he his cross there. canada tour he would have been right. his, yeah and, and I, I cried at, at um the sadness i felt of uh, the overt commercialization of Sataj and, and uh, how far he's deviated from no. uh, his, his original genuine authenticity. No, come on. Um, okay, that's that's a different podcast, but I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> and we got we we were forced to watch the his upcoming um, trailers. Ikomike, guys, it dropped November twenty sixth. Please watch. Terrible. It's a really bad move. I am I am his number one fan. I will watch almost anything he makes and. Ikomike is, I mean, just watch it and decide for yourself. That's and that's the harshest thing I've ever said about it. <laughs> so, um, no, I would discourage anybody from watching it. Please don't watch it. Don't watch it. <laughs> you will miss nothing. Um, you know, I I think obviously the farmers themselves, um, everybody overjoyed taking the moment uh, in and understanding that uh, for the first time, uh, you know, fascist leader uh, Narendra Modi. Uh, you know, uh, of of the, you know, genocidal regime of India backs down in the face of ongoing pressure from the farmers uh, in anticipation of elections that are coming up. I don't, you know, a lot of people were, you know, um, commenting that this is all due to electoral pressures. Well, of course, I mean, that's what it was going to take uh, unless uh, people on the ground were willing to escalate what they were going to do, the strategy of now turning the public sentiment against uh, Modi in key areas, including, you know, um, Uttar Pradesh, Western UP in particular, uh, and other parts of, you know, even in Gujarat, I, the numbers were starting to drop. You know, there was just a, an outpouring of support for the Kassan. You know, we have to remember, 60-something percent of the Indian workforce is employed in agriculture. So, you know, you're implementing what were drastic um, changes to something that really uh, allowed. I mean, Kasani was what saved India from complete disaster during COVID. Uh, without people's abilities to go back and work in fields, you know, that country falls completely apart. So 
you know, this is something that I think a lot of people were able to rally around. You know, this incident at, at uh, Lakimpur uh, Kheri just continuing to reinforce the narrative against the um, BJP government. You know, obviously not everything um, that the Kassans wanted in terms of uh, reform has been implemented. You know, uh, there's been no announcement in terms of what was included in the Swami Nathan report, um, issues on MSP. And frankly, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of skepticism of whether he would actually repeal it. I mean, in the last couple of days, we've seen that they have put it on the agenda to actually repeal the laws. Um, but yeah, there is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fight moving forward. And I think the most exciting part about this is that you have a whole generation, whether within India or in the diaspora, that has finally understood the power that people can have in affecting change. Um, that to me gives me a lot of excitement and hope for what's going to move forward. I mean, from a diasporic perspective, having seen a mobilization like nothing in our lifetimes, um, you've seen a you know a whole generation of people reassert an identity um, and reconnect with their own with their own faith and uh, with their own histories. I had the pleasure on that day, the next day, um, you know, kind of when everybody wakes up to it on Gurpur, of calling my first um, articling student to the bar here in Alberta. And, you know, I, I was, I, I used my time uh, before the court to actually point out, um, you know, the, what really was the sick um, principles that drove this morcha to fight against an oppressive regime uh, and to remind us as sex in the diaspora that, what is our inspiration, you know, in, in certain situations where, for example, being um, lawyers that have sworn an allegiance to, to the Queen, we have something greater that we aspire to and a greater sense of righteousness. So it was interesting because, uh, you know, afterwards I faced some criticism from um, non-people of colour who, who witnessed that to think that was an overtly political speech, but everything we do as six is political. So. Yeah. You know, and I would say it, everything that lawyers do is political. I mean, absolutely. You pretend you're operating you know, in a vacuum, but <laughs> and, and and you know, and I and I actually went really deep into it. I, I used the story of Mavis Singh Lopoke as someone who fought for righteousness. Um, yeah, I, that didn't go down so great, but uh, that's a different <laughs> different conversation. No, and, and there it ha there is something that's changed um, in so many of the conversations that we have in the diaspora. Uh, we have to, but. The inspiration that I always take away from the Kasan Morcha was those bajors, those bibiyan. And I'll never forget that one bibi who talked about how she brought her coffin with her. You know, yes. I don't know if you remember that, that yes, interview. Yes, I've where, seen that clip, yes. And that was the most powerful thing. You know, you watch that clip, it changes you. It changes yeah. the way you look at fighting for a cause, right? You know, in the interview, she says to the uh, interviewer, you know, it's just, you know, you know, I brought my coffin with me and that's the only way I'll leave. Like, this is the dedication. This is the inspiration for the people who were there. I mean, so many of the Nodjuan, so many of the other people had left over the last six months, seven months. In the diaspora, we stopped really talking about it. We were gearing up to celebrate and talk about the one year anniversary. But... You know, there was a, a a part of this where people had started to kind of um, go back to their routines, but there was, you know, our our older generations who who were there and they they were not going to leave until they won and they got a victory. And so, you know, I'm very very um, inspired, and I think there's a lot of work to do. 
but you bring up there's so much to unpack when it comes to Kassan Morcha. You touched on it when it came to the issues of social media, right? Um, we saw how complicit, you know, some social media websites were in allowing for Moldi to oppress uh, the voices of protesters, um, how they've demonized six, how they demonized, you know, narratives around Khalistan, how um, unions erased the Sikhi uh, from the Mocha. Like, there's just so much to unpack. And it's going to be something that I think we talk about for a very long time. It's something that's going to be ongoing concern, but it's changed the conversation. I agree 100%. I think if you look at the environment of the culture of neoliberalization, of privatizing things, this direction that felt inevitable um, of just global economies, India specifically, and then how it impacted farmers in Punjab, it felt inevitable. And they took a stand. And that is, while this is a huge win, so this is um, from a CNN article, it says, the farmers will continue protesting until the government meets several other demands, including raising the minimum price of their produce, withdrawing legal action against some farmers, and paying compensation to the families of hundreds of farmers who have died as a result of the civil action. If you're wondering why you might still be seeing images like, oh, we won, why aren't they going home? There are folks that are still say, saying, and folks who are still trying to engage the government in a conversation, the bills should not have been put forward. Them being repealed restores, uh, it changes the direction of something that felt inevitable and that's huge, but it restores the status quo that was resulting in things like farmers dying from suicide. There is every small scale farmer operates at a loss. And essentially what that means is as soon as they put a seed in the ground, they're losing money. And if you think about that for like whatever job you do, however you wake up and go to work and you earn to serve you to serve your family if you if i told you today when you go to the office you're going at a loss you're going to pay a hundred dollars to work at that office of course there would be an uproar we wouldn't stand for these conditions for any other human beings most of um india is as you mentioned are farmers but also the india is the world's second largest producer of rice wheat sugarcane cotton fruits and vegetables so what we eat and what the world eats come from these people and instead of thanking them for the fact that we can eat we are saying to them you need to be doing this for us and you need to be paying to do it and not only paying by money like operating at a loss but then paying at the cost of your lives and your families so many of our families are um, disconnected from the land there's like farmers who who will sell their jameen to send their children here um, i know that my my parents generation would have been the is like the last one that's going to be connected to the land and now we're all in the diaspora and we're all seeking other jobs and it's it's heartbreaking and this there's this um cnn article where they went back and it was so beautiful they they interviewed um Barmjit Kaur, so they they made sure that the there was a woman's voice in there as well, and they interviewed like Bajorg who were at the front lines, and there was when you talk about that Bibi who's like she was she's oh I just felt like Modi should back down just because he should fear the wrath of of a, of a strong Punjabi woman. There isn't is uh, there is no wrath like that of a strong Punjabi woman, but there's this. Um, there's this quote, it's translated into English from someone named Santosh Singh, and he he's hopeful. He's not someone who says that 
we're disconnected from the land and and they're going to go into the diaspora and that's how they're going to earn. So he says, um, so they say for generations, his family has worked the land and he hopes his grandchildren will carry on the tradition. That's why he's committed to fighting for India's entire farming community, no, long, no matter how long it takes. We won't leave. If we die here, we die, he said. We know this will be a long struggle. And it's such a powerful thing to hear people say that we don't have a good status quo to go back to. We're not going back. We refuse to go back to that life. And and we are sovereign and we have dignity and we're going to stay here and we're going to fight. And that that says that speaks volumes. And there's no way that that can be unlinked from Sikhi. Yeah, and I think you saw some of the even in in um, you know the Western media, um, there was an article like yeah I think in the Star, uh, Jigdeep Man talking about the spirit of Chadikala. Um, there was Raji. Uh, yeah, Raji's was awesome. Yeah, Raji's article was amazing in the Globe and Mail. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm sure, and, and from what I understand, you know, really kind of emphasizing the key aspects of these things. Uh, it's good to finally ha- be able to have. Um, journalists in the West who can kind of speak to these things and, and provide the context because I mean you know I, I'm a I'm a daily listener to um, the New York Times the Daily podcast and when they did their breakdown a couple of days ago of the farmers protest they completely eliminated that uh, mm. you know it was really interesting the way that they had framed this uh, and somehow some of the kind of more Western liberal um, outlets are are looking at this which is. Well, this is a failure because if Modi can't implement these market reforms that would help this economy, well, who can? Um, oh, you know, it, yeah, it, it's 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 terrible to see, you know, and, and again, unsurprising in terms of that type of framing. But I think in Canada, at least we were able to have a bit more nuance. Um, I'm actually wait. surprised by that take because nobody in my world is talking like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, you know, and, and I think that um, to me, uh, you know, really understanding um, what the struggle is about. Because, I mean, Modi chooses to make this announcement on Gurpur for a reason, right? We can talk all we want about, you know, kind of the unity uh, of farmers across India from different states and different backgrounds. We can talk about, you know, how good of a job they did in being inclusive. But there was, you know, there was something that really drove this forward in a, in a clash that was unavoidable for the past decades uh, and centuries that is going to continue to to go on. And this struggle will continue to go on. Um, This fight for survival will continue to go on um, because you have a nation state that is built upon oppressing. And that's not going to change because you've now um, withdrawn these bills. You know, and it's funny, there was um, Sandeep Singh had just done uh, a story just yesterday talking about how there's more people than ever at Singu right now. And BJP leaders are saying, well, just go home. Like, yes, we accept. Um, we, we accept. Yes, we're taking it back. Yeah, we'll figure out MSP. Like, leave. You know, we gave you what you wanted. And it's like the opposite happened. <laughs> right? yeah. I heard that they said that this set the tone for at least the next 25 years, that, that people will not be able to pass similar reforms in India. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the reforms themselves, but it, it really is a symbolic loss. And now you see BJP. And what I tell people is, not only is it an electoral victory that BJP is looking for to try to save their interest, it's a narrative, right? Mm. The BJP exists on, and it's not just their narrative of being able to like do what they want. It's a narrative that they need and to co-opt sick 
history and identity and narratives for their own purposes in their myth uh, myth making of an Indian state, right? Like so much of the stories of fighting the Mughals and the British is Sikh history, uh, is Punjabi history. And for the BJP not to be able to co-opt that or have that and have that undermined undermines their ability to talk about yeah bjp's whole thing is we're just hindus that got lost along the way right so right. it's it's a to kind of more covert violence yeah and, and it's to co-opt our history right to be able to tell the story of like bravery um and it's like no no like you were nowhere to be found <laughs> you know th- these struggles and these these ep- like epic battles um are inspired by by guru right and you know, it is during this period, I'll always remember, I, you know, you can sign up for the Prime Minister's office's emails, um, you know, monkey bots. They produced a 150-page document talking about Modi's special relationship with the six. Like oh, six I remember that. Ago. It was like a slideshow, right? A PowerPoint? Yeah, yeah. It was insane. It was huge. I think it called him our messiah. You know, and here they are six months, and they're tr- they're pleading to see if they can try to appease um the Sikh community and they just couldn't they couldn't do it um and that's what gives me hope which is in the face i mean in in the diaspora a politician walks into our gordora and, and gives us a, a jumbled why do you call it why do you fateh and we all fall over himself trudeau gets to walk into a gordora in edmonton after the terror report and gets given a saropa um. right you know even modi was given a saropa um during the morcha in delhi and yet you know, the people on the ground, the actual sings and cars on the ground will ne- did not let them off the hook. And that gives me inspiration. Stop looking for leaders. Um, look at how these individuals led a movement. And, that, and that's all you need. And that's what really gives me um, hope for the future. There have been quite a few alarming climate events in on the West Coast. This past year alone, we have seen heat dome. We have seen uh, unprecedented forest fires. And now BC is facing extreme floods. Um, I know some of the roads that connect to Calgary have been destroyed as well. Harmon, how are you all doing out in Edmonton? Does any of this come near you? Well, we're not even like remotely close to um, Edmonton. It's kind of the middle of nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> like my, grade, my grade nine geography is the last time i tried to figure out where edmonton was <laughs> yeah. um but it did you know uh, the major routes that connect alberta to bc are have all been impacted mm. um yeah so it got, it got pretty um, i mean we saw a lot of like rain in the past few weeks abbotsford which it has so many sick families and punjabi families that are keeping these farming traditions alive um, where some of the areas that were lower in Abbotsford got completely flooded. So we are, um, we're always going to talk about things on, on this podcast that are Canadian, that are sick, and that are political. And the, the politics of climate emergencies are, are very real and are top of mind right now, but so are the sick responses. So we saw um, a few really, really amazing things. Um, I'll start with um some of the stories i was hearing and then you can bring in examples as well so there was i was listening to someone who was describing being stranded in hope and something that should have been 
and was like a really dangerous you that he got stuck between two mudslides and and wasn't able to move and then eventually they were able to get them into hope and i i think hope has uh it has like a very small population i think it's even in the thousands um was now welcoming all these people it was the community it was the community that came forward and supported people so even um at that point where both ends of the highway were shut was shut down by mudslides basic things weren't getting in um water bottles weren't getting in you weren't getting fuel in once they were able to open up some. Even now, uh, there's a state of emergency and they're only trying to keep those essential things on the road. This person said that um, folks showed up with pots of chili. People were sharing food. Uh, truck drivers couldn't leave their cargo. They had to stay in their trucks. And then we saw the Gordoras come forward. We saw Kalsa Aid come forward. We saw that sick spirit of service come forward and people jumped at the opportunity to to respond and not just because um it was abbotsford or hope or just because it was our community or our truck drivers but they responded at large um harman what were you seeing yeah you know and there's an interesting story that i i want to mention in the context of we talk about you know our connection to land farming um two weeks ago i had read this story about a farmer in the Sumas uh, area, it was a Punjabi-sick farmer, um, the Tillon family of Tarsing Tillon. He had successfully f- been able to harvest saffron. So, oh, I was so moved by that, and I was so proud. You, and I remember t- talking to people about this story, saying, yeah. wow, Punjabis could make this work. And you have examples throughout the world of Punjabi diaspora being able to be successful in agriculture all over the place. You know, part of when we talk about even the Kasam Morcha, so many people lack the context of understanding that, you know, even in Uttar Pradesh, there's a huge population of Punjabi um, Sikh families who had gone there, you know, sold land in Punjab, been able to buy larger tracts in in UP, um, been very, turning what was unfertile land into fertile land, um, similar in Rajasthan. I remember when I was in Rajasthan, um, thinking like, you know, I'm seeing Punjabi everywhere. And I remember talking to locals and understanding that literally Punjabi Sikh farmers had bought desert land. Yeah, that's my it- family. That's my nanke. We're, we're in Rajasthan. Shout outs to Unipias, Ganganagar, Aisingnagar. And yeah, they divert, but larger context, they diverted the water right. from Punjab to make that happen. So fair, fair enough, good context. But and again, so but part of this, you know, we saw this, we saw, you know, Aftar Delon, who was in Sumas, um, be able to successfully harvest saffron. Huge, like, you know, this is, I remember telling my my, my family this and, and people who do Kethi, they were shocked, like, oh, right? No, sure enough, it's going to be to happen. You know, sure enough, he lost his crop. Um, this mm-hmm. is devastating, but um, you know he's kind of he's gone on the record as saying that you know my dream will not die. Um, you know that spirit of Chardikala that you know I will persevere. Amazing, 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 amazing. And you know you, even the Globe and Mail talked about this. Um, you know the idea that you know like these Sikh Gordware were drawing on you know this community's kind of um, spirit and their service to help to really rally and help others. And, and there was a one story from Hope, um, and it was Hope Pizza. So there was a Punjabi family runs a pizza shop in Hope. And when people were stuck on the highway, they just, they got a bunch of pizzas. And, you know, this is not Uber trying to surcharge you because you're busy or you need their service. This is not yeah. normal capitalism, right? Um, 
you know, Punjabis don't try to take advantage and exploit people. Yes, some do. Um, but in this situation, you saw numerous stories. And Hope um, Hope Pizza Place was a great example in immediate uh, activation in terms of helping those who are stranded in Hungary, uh, which I, you know, that was an amazing story. But, you know, to me, like both of those two, two um, examples really demonstrate the impact. Number one, you know, Sumas now completely underwater, um, you know, it's going to be a massive problem. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that spirit of, of persevering and then also the spirit of, you know, helping others. Yeah. And there's a couple other shout outs I want to give specific examples. So um, Kalsa Aid, uh, who always shows up, um, be it like domestic or international, whenever there's an emergency, they have people on the ground doing things. Um, there's this one story here from Baljeet Lali, who is with uh, Kalsa Aid, and she is and other volunteers immediately uh saw they saw a post from a stranded truck driver just outside of hope and they gathered people and they rallied and they got all of the gorduras together to cook meals they sent um they sent granola bars i read one where they sent pillows uh because they're like we're not just going to show up with food if that's not what's needed they collaborated with london air services to because the roads were closed to actually fly in supplies they they totally were there on the forefronts um trying to make sure all that happened and then there are also uh Godradukh Navadan in Surrey, Gunanik Food Bank, West Coast, Pilot Club. Like there was all of these people, like just giant patile. Like it's the the images that we know. Big patila of Sabji in the Langar Hall, Mataji making rotiya, people gathering bread, flying it in, driving it in. Um and but the things that are so familiar to us and the, also, the fact that we have the infrastructure to feed thousands of people on the spot, it actually is really beautiful. Um, so, and there, this also, the these folks also posted um, what they were doing, putting food in helicopters, flying it in. The Sangat raised the money for the helicopter as well. They posted that with a warning saying, we're not, we don't have any fundraising pages. Um, so make sure if you see any like GoFundMes or any fundraising attempts that this, what the Sangat was asking for was energy and for like actual food and supplies. Um, and to, to make sure that you're not giving your money in the wrong places. But I think this is all of these examples. I think we shared like four or five. They're really important because they're so reflective of who we are. Also, if we take a step back, we get so much negative, so much, and even so much of this podcast, so much of the times that we're on the news is because someone else put us there. There are false narratives or we are being put on, the spotlight is being put us put on us for bad reasons. The sick community, um, people are constantly looking us at us as service users um, so why are you involved in this system or why are you in using healthcare like this? Or, um, we're, we are the community. We are the part of the fabric of the community and we are service providers. Overwhelmingly, we are teachers and doctors and community organizers, but we're also the folks that alongside, like there were first nations that showed up and were giving food to folks who were stranded on the highway. We are right there with every other Canadian community giving back where and when we can. Um, so I, I'm like double and triple proud of when positive sick stories come out. Cause I feel like, they, there just isn't enough balance. And sometimes these things that 
again, are so normal for us. We have a patila that makes sabji for a thousand people. That's just like a normal dish that we own. Um, we have the infrastructure to do those things, but we're very often not seen for our strength. So yeah, very, very excited. Um, and huge congratulations to everyone who supported and it's ongoing. We are, I think, seeing people, seeing this happen to six, seeing this happen to Punjabi communities. I keep saying these past couple years have been um the years where i've stopped saying oh that that couldn't that happens to other people that doesn't happen to us um and that, that's saying something right so like you would see climate emergencies and you might think like oh that happens in other areas that doesn't happen to us and and it's been very humbling and i think this is something that unfortunately we're gonna see more of and i'm and the sick community is gonna constantly show up and constantly support That's everything for this week. Oh, this month. We are a monthly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, it was a great recap of, I think we hit off like all of our check marks, um, six serving the community, farmer bills. We talked about GOI interference. That's like the the bread and butter of this podcast. Thank you for joining us, Harmon. I know you've got a lot of really awesome and busy things that you do in Edmonton. Um, so we totally appreciate you jumping on every month to co-host. As always, if you are listening, World Sick Organization is a scrappy group of volunteers with hearts of gold and tons of signal chats. Um, so if you want to keep us going, if you like any of the things that we do, please consider becoming a member of our The Swand Club. So you make a monthly donation or consider making a one-time donation. You can follow us anywhere on every social media platform. We are at world sick org so until next time stay safe stay dry keep using your hearts of gold to serve your communities and we'll see you next month